Welcome to Food and Loathing, an all-you-can-enjoy buffet of foodie news, gossip, and opinions from the foodie capital of the world, or at least my world, fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm your host, Al Mancini. We are coming to you this week from the luxurious Moonin Ranch because our friend and frequent contributor Rick Moonin is back in the co-host chair this week. Rick, good to have you back. How the hell are you? I am fantastic, Al. I'm a little worn down. A lot of things going on in my life, but... There's so much going on in the podcast that we can save for another time. I have a home in Fort Myers, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, we do want to know. We were talking about you last week. Everything you know what, okay? You know, Your house okay? My house People is standing. Okay? My house is standing. I got two feet of water, so everything inside, wall, ceiling, floor, everything within it basically touched brackish water, so it's got to go. So that's a rebuild. You know, they don't cover any of that in the RJ. Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> it, 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 what, a disaster of the magnitude of what just hit Florida, uh, the, the west coast of Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not a damn word of it. That pisses me off. It didn't happen here. Uh, you know, that's um, wrong. basically, <laughs> the degree of tragedy at proximity times people you yeah. know equals the level of tragedy, right? So, so yeah, um, I'm sure if they, you know, well, I'm not going to comment. Had to get it off my chest. How the RJ runs their news division. I'm grateful <laughs> for my time there. And, um, you know, I, I look. We only, I only reported on food. So, right. So I can tell you. Okay. Anyway, we also have our main man, Mr. Rich Johnson, engineering this week. Rich, yeah, how are you, man? I'm After here. blowing me off for a dinner. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, are you feeling better? Unless you were just faking it. In which case, I hope you did something fun and scandalous while you were playing hooky <laughs> when you blew me off. No, I was feeling not so great, uh, that not-so-fresh feeling, but mm-hmm. uh, all is well now. Right, well enough to be here and enjoying the ranch. The ranch. Cool. Well, great to have you back, and I hope it wasn't... Well, we'll talk more about the yeah. audio I left you when you weren't there yeah. and how much I fucked it up later in the show. Uh, but look, we always kick things off discussing where we've been dining and perhaps drinking since last we spoke, or cooking in the case of Mr. Rick Moon, and we'll start with you. All right, Al. Well, I have a big event last week. We had a huge event, Scleroderma Sprint. Scleroderma is a, um, an autoimmune de- uh, defense system breakdown. And your skin dries out and your organs dry out. It's a, it's a, it's a terrible way to, um, to leave, this, leave this, this life, you know. And a good friend of mine has it. His name is Savile Kellner. Uh, I got a group of uh, friends, chefs, together. I was in charge of the culinary part of it. We raised $1.4 million. Those chefs were Aron Sanchez, Amarillo Gasse, and Robert Irvine, all very close friends who said yes to do it. Uh, wow. uh, sure, Moon and whatever you want. I told them, hey, listen, this is personal. And they said, okay. They didn't even know why they were there, but they were there, and that was pretty awesome. You know, I actually spoke with Chef Aron. We're coming together to support a cause that's very, uh, very personal to Rick. He has a friend that uh, sadly is, is dealing with this, and when chefs call, you answer the call, and that's why I'm here. So, and now we're at the racetrack. We're going to race a little bit, and tonight we're going to cook, and uh, we're doing all this good stuff. So, you know what you're driving today? Yes, I'm going Porsche. I'm going European. Not very American of me, but. Uh, well, shit, I don't think any of the cars are damn American anyway, <laughs> as I'm thinking about it. But, uh, yeah, I just want something that's ample, something that's big for a beefy Mexican. And as you can hear, Chef Aron saying, you know, why was he there? Because when chefs ask, you go. And because you asked, that's why it was important to him. I wanted to go to your gala really, really badly. I didn't make it. I had to go to something else that night. My apologies to you. My apologies to Savile, who's also a good friend of mine. Yes. Um, but I did go out to watch you guys on the track. That's yeah. where I spoke to Chef Ron Sanchez because it was sort of a two-part event. When at last I left you, you were a little nervous 
nervous about racing around the track. You told me that you didn't want to um, ride a vet because you ride a vet in your own personal life, and yes. you were trying to get a Lambo. I did. Did I you get a Lambo? Lambo? Yeah, and it's it, it screwed me up for life. <laughs> I had so much fun, Al. So it's you're buying ridiculous. one? I'm not buying one. Yeah. I, got, I, got, I got a money pit in Florida I was that we discussed. Say, <laughs> you get that insurance <laughs> check from Florida, maybe just buy well, a Lambo, man. Yeah, you know? Let's clarify. <laughs> this is a road track and automobiles you're driving around, right? Yes. I mean, okay. and you got you got a whole inventory of like really fast cars, and you and can this choose is what you want. Speed Vegas, by the way. Speed we Vegas. Send yeah, a shout out south, to them. South, south, south yeah, Vegas. You know. It's, yeah. You just and, go up uh, the hill on the way to. And, and it's owned by Vegas. Sam Schmidt. Sam Schmidt was a very famous race car driver that had a horrific accident, quadriplegic. He still races, quadriplegic. Oh, he, he accelerates and brakes by breathing into a, a straw, and he steers with his head. Wow. Blew, blew, so and, what a day. And that's relative new ownership, I think, over there. I, I, I believe, believe so. I don't yeah. know if he's sole owner, but he's, he's yeah. part of it for cool. sure. Um, so it was a fun event, and I'm glad to see you guys raised a lot of money. Yeah. I bought a $100 raffle ticket to try to upgrade my wife's um, Challenger into a uh, Hellcat Challenger, but I don't think I won the <laughs> raffle unless you're holding holding that car for me, man. No, no, unfortunately. But there was just so many great friends that came out and were so generous. I mean, that, you don't raise $1.4 million without having some amazing yeah. friends yeah. and connections. Well, that was a great event. Um, thank you guys for letting me cover it. I'm sorry I couldn't make it. Could you tell people, is there a place where they can either get more information on this disease or donate or just, is it Scleroderma Sprint? Just Google that? Correct. Sclerodermasprint.com. Uh, people are still uh, donating too. And, I'm, and I can't thank you enough for your, all your support always, but I mean, in, in particular, it was very personal to me. My pleasure, absolutely. Um, also, any, have you dined anywhere? I think yes. you went out someplace good last night, right? I went to, yeah, with the Harlow. What a beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a. I just revel in the space. My wife just got back from Florida, to on Tuesday night at eight o'clock, you know, and she's exhausted because we wanted to celebrate our our, our anniversary, which is Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was I was going to go to Le Cirque because that's where we had our wedding reception. They were closed. I'm like, oh, that's weird. So we went to Harlow. She said, where do you want to go? And I said, you know, where they know me mm -hmm. you know no i mean it, it, that's yeah. that's the truth i just yeah. i just i just want to be comfortable she you know and she wants air conditioning and sitting down and dressing up and putting on makeup all the things she didn't do for two weeks because she was right you know dealing with you know a disaster so we had a great time harlow's you know delivers uh beautiful caviar evo the manager there worked for me you know and it's that's yeah it, it, it just feels like homecoming in a way you know because i've been around for so long in this town that a lot of my ex-employees work in some of the finer restaurants in vegas and that makes me proud yeah well yeah you have a great legacy in the restaurant industry mm -hmm. that's still continuing to grow and spread man so that's got to be really satisfying um you know i want to ask one last thing about florida did you get to see anybody from um world central kitchen or jose andreas down there i did say i, I did see uh, the van a few different I knew that Jose wasn't there, so I didn't get in the line because we, we you know, we were doing redneck, uh, you know, gourmet cuisine, my friend. That's yeah. what we were doing. I was cooking on, I, I bought a Weber grill and some charcoal because you couldn't get propane, you couldn't get gasoline, you couldn't get anything. Oh, and it got uglier as the days went on. There was no traffic lights. So it was an oh, assumed yeah. four-way stop every intersection. A lot of people weren't dealing with it. It's, they don't, we don't yeah. assume down in the south so right. much. Yeah. Well, then my, obviously my, my parents have um, property down not too far from where yours is. Uh, they haven't been down to see it yet. So they think that it, they avoided inside flooding on that. So um, their, well, their fingers are that's crossed. That's a blessing. It's, it's a mess. Rich, what about you, man? Where you been? Oh, 
nowhere. No junk food? <laughs> none, none worth talking yes, about? Yes, indeed. I'm, I'm looking for my notes, and I don't find them. Oh, I, I must have written them afterwards. Oh, I think you wrote them after oh, yeah. I printed this. I, you know, feeling not great, I was um, uh, not doing a lot. We did a, a little more indoor cooking, tried a couple of things uh, with skewers. One was a pork loin last night uh, with a sort of a cumin uh, paprika thing that was really nice, and... Um, uh, a chicken thing the night before. Uh, my wife, Joanna, found a recipe for trying to cut down on carbs, you know? Yep. So we, we found a, a pureed cauliflower thing with a lot of olive oil, some garlic in the Cuisinart, and it's like mashed potatoes, and sure. it's wonderful, and we did that for as a side dish both nights. That was cool. It gets I, fluffy, too. That's A little like fluffy, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You know, because uh, we're watching the dairy stuff, too. Didn't put any butter in there, olive oil instead, but I can see I want to do that sometime <laughs> with, with all the butter in the world, and it's going to be something. I put a little yogurt in it. It adds a little tang. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a, a little bit of fast food education about it's still tough out there when it comes to staffing places. I went to Popeye's the other day, and the order was messed up. I ordered a three-piece. I got two pieces. I didn't notice in time. Didn't even get the spork. I didn't get a cup. And, the, and there are no apologies. And I look, and I see there's like four people running the thing and there's you know a dozen people yeah. in line and then and, and running out to stuff and so you know they were doing all they could to get it done and they got it done eventually sort of kind of but boy it's it's tough out there still people don't want to work for money they can't afford to live on as it turns out yeah it's just, it, it's, it freaks me out reminds me a lot of a post that i see from restaurant owners all the time on social media i guess it's a meme or whatever it's going around but it's like mcdonald's can fuck up your order um 75 times and you still go back every time and don't say anything but your local neighborhood restaurant gets one thing wrong and you trash them on yelp right yeah, like, yeah. So, yeah that's yeah. there's a, that's a sad reality about that <laughs> um okay so i'm going to try to rush through my week because We've got so much, so you many people so many I spoke sure to. Yeah. Look, while you were at that scleroderma gala, I paid a visit to Uncommons on Durango 215. Wasn't quite sure what to expect from the event, and it was really much more of a party than a media event in the end. Um, what I mean by that was a lot of the important people were there. A lot of great food and drink was there. Um, we got a good feel for how cool the vibe will be when it's fully functioning, but it was a little short on details. Um, so I ate a lot of great food. I did speak, however, to Patrick Yuma, uh, the CEO of Table One Hospitality, which is heading up the Sundry, their food hall. You know, the Sundry is our, you know, really our love letter to Las Vegas. I grew up here in Las Vegas, um, and it's always been a dream of mine to be able to share my my type of hospitality and what I've kind of worked my whole career on uh, with the neighborhoods. You know, we, I've done, you know, we've had lots of restaurants down in the Strip, um, but now it's I, I want to be part of kind of the cultural fabric that you know lives outside of the strip and so I'm excited because it's a food hall of sorts but to call it a food hall is you know I think is undermining what it ultimately is we've got an amazing collection of chefs from chef Dominique Crenn uh, doing her plant-based taco uh, taqueria and tequila bar concept to uh, uh, restaurant Mizunara, which will be Chef Shotari Kamio's um, ha Japanese hand roll and izakaya concept. We have Matt Horn from the Bay Area doing Cowbird. We've also got local legends like Jerry and Nikos from Meraki doing uh, Kavos, which is a coastal Greek grill. We have uh, Alex from St. Honoré doing donuts. Um, we have Bruce Coleman uh, bringing Soul Belly up here. Um, and so we've got an amazing collection of chefs 
and we've really rethought the whole process to a food hall so people can really enjoy each other and have a, a great time without having to stand in lines all over the place. And so um, it's we're really excited about it. When does this open? We plan an opening in March, April of 2023. There's doesn't a- like food hall. Doesn't like food. He doesn't like food. He doesn't like the term. Um, Food circus. That was the first time I ever heard that phrase. When I was nine years old and went to the World's Fair in Seattle, they had a food circus, one big room, and there's like 18 different places to go to. This is the most fantastic thing I ever saw in my life. Yeah, yeah, man. Still is. You know, the big thing (laughs) I do like it. The big thing, I think, and we should really give a lot of credit both to Vegas Test Kitchen on this and to... um, to, uh, sorry, Resorts World's Food Hall, which is this idea where you can actually order everything. You can order from several people yeah. through your app or through one one central thing, right? Yeah. And I think that's the, the new evolution of these food halls and food courts is you don't have to all wait in line separately at different places. Yeah, I think people are going out now. I think all of that, there was a lot of hype during COVID of, you know, it's going to be forever, the, the, you know, the mm-hmm. delivery pickup things, you know. And I, you know, I, I, I'm sure that it's still doing well, but I don't think it grew like people. Were no, and that's why people are getting crushed on those ghost kitchen deals that they all tried to do. Oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah we, it's we because that. people want to go out now. Um, okay, on Saturday I hit Tastemakers. That was look, there were so many poolside dinerounds this past weekend, and I you can't hit them all. I chose Tastemakers, the poolside party at the Venetian. I had some great food from Milos and Buddy V's, a fantastic hand roll from Wakuda. Chef Wakuda was there. Um, some burgers from Black Tap. I, I also tried some of the dishes coming from Mizanon, and um, that's the new Israeli street food spot coming to the resort. And I got to say hi to Wolfgang Puck and just chat with him about the party and the vibe here in Las Vegas. I'm so excited that Vegas is back, that everybody is enjoying the town. The restaurants are packed and the food is great. The service is great. And having out here an event here on the poolside at the Venetian is really a lot of fun for the people. So I think we are very excited. He's such a professional. It's you know uh-huh. he is he's still as smooth as he's been for same as for decades the way he delivers a message yeah and you know what I mean he was there you know there's a lot of hype about this event there were going to be a lot of restaurants there and we were told you know everybody knew that Lorena Garcia would be on the mm-hmm. premises um, Chef Wakuda would be there and Chef Puck was there I didn't personally see Chef Lorena but she's always great I, she always comes out and chats with people I'm sure she was there I saw Chef Wakuda cooking but you know what I saw from Chef Puck was that he actually was in a seat, in a chair, as people were lined up to go get tastes from from um, cut, right. he was just there to kind of meet and greet everybody, like literally doing the pro thing, p- posing for pictures with everybody, out there to really greet his audience. He is a great guy. You know, he, he yeah. understands that he has a huge fan base out there. And having the chance to have their picture taken with him is a big deal. And he's always happy to do that. You know, we love we love Wolfgang. Um, then I went to a preview of the Frey Ranch Dinner at Vegas Test Kitchen. We're going to have my full conversation with Colby and Ashley Frey in next week's episode, but I will tell you just a bit about the food. It was an absolutely brilliant meal from Justin Kingsley Hall, the retired Justin Kingsley Hall, right. who I keep seeing out at events <laughs> cooking. Um, he's not retired, obviously. He's just stepped <laughs> back from his restaurant. And Roy Elamar. Um, the dishes included venison carpaccio, spiced buttermut- uh, butternut squash soup, a beef shank with sage, espalette peppers, and whiskey. Everything was made with whiskey. Yeah, let's be honest. So yeah. Whole idea. yeah. There were Basque potatoes, a lot of Basque dishes that were sort of a tribute to their northern yeah, Nevada roots of Prairie yep. Ranch. Um, also some local corn polenta, Basque cheesecake at the end. Speaking of Roy Elmar, I have a little news on his brick and mortar. Ooh. It's Whoa. going into downtown Summerlin. 
Um, and I've, I've just been conversing with him, trying to figure out how much I can say of what he told me. It's in the old MTO space in downtown Summerlin. Uh-huh. It's going to be a partnership with the Lev Group, uh-huh. and it will be open for lunch and dinner. It will not be Pigeon, the Hawaiian spot, the concept that he was trying out at Vegas Test Kitchen. He was very um, distinctive that it will not be that. It's going to be a new American upscale casual lunch and dinner spot. No opening date yet, but I believe they're looking for some key staff positions right now. GM and exec Sue among them. So if you know anybody, Rick. Yeah, with all my spare time, I'm going I'm I'm to throw in an application. No, no, I thought you just might know somebody looking for a gig over there with um, with Roy, because Roy's a fantastic chef. And he for really those, is. No, I, I truly support and, and, and respect Roy Elmar. I yeah, really do. and for those who don't know Roy, he ran Harvest by Roy Elmar at the Bellagio for a long time. And at a time when nobody else was doing anything close to this, he had a recurring guest chef series of what he called his snack wagon takeovers and a lot of off off strip chefs he invited in. Right. No, I, I pushed the cart around there once. It was, it was so much fun, really. <laughs> truly was. And I went there recently, too, and they're, they're really killing it. I was trying to see if I could get some scoop out of it and see, find out if the Voltaggio brothers are thinking of going in there because, you know. That, uh, I mean, I've yeah, been yeah. – I want to yeah. know. Anybody can give me some info on that. I, I guess I could call them too, it, but it I, feels that's like too easy. They get asked that every time I see them. I'm like, uh, when are you going to make this permanent? And they never shoot it down. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So from Summerlin to the Strip to uh, Henderson, we have news of a couple of new Henderson spots, but also interviews with Elizabeth Blau of Honey Salt and Vegan Baby's Diana Edelman. Coming up, this is Food and Loathing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Honey Salt is celebrating 10 years just outside Summerlin near Boca Park, and Al sat down with Elizabeth Blau to talk about that accomplishment and the uh, ongoing celebration. So, Elizabeth, it's great to see you. Congratulations. 10 years at Honey Salt. It's almost hard for me to believe because I can remember when you opened. How Does it seem like it went by quickly, or does it seem like it went by, you, you know, it took forever and you've been there forever? It's really, truly gone by in, in a flash. Um, it's extraordinary when a, a restaurant reaches two years, five years, but um, 10 years, I, I think the restaurant business has definitely got to be similar to dog years. So it does sometimes feel like we are um, 70 years old, but um, really I think that um, it's a testament to our incredible team at Honey Salt, but really our Las Vegas community that, that has supported us and, and our vendors and our farmers and you know the incredible suppliers that we work with uh, for the chefs to make the magic that they do. The the area where Honey Salt is located was not known as being hospitable to 
small, you know, mom and pop kind of restaurants, right? It was known for chain restaurants. Um, and we saw a lot of high end quality restaurateurs try to do things in that area from the Maccioni family to the on family. And the comments were always summer than just isn't ready for anything beyond the pf changs and nothing against them but you know whatever um so and even some of our i mean you know that that there was a great restaurateur in that very space prior to you so do you think summerlin was not ready or did you change help change what summerlin was looking for was it a question of what what you accomplished in finding the right niche or was it just a question of timing um, I think a little of both. I mean, I think that the Corrigans with Vintner's Grill really, you know, were trailblazers and, um, and, and being there first um, and, and really doing something different. It has been challenging. Uh, there, there is certainly a lot of support for, for chain restaurants. I think Whole Foods opening was also, you know, kind of another evolution in, um, in the Summerlin dining scene. But I think, you know, what we did with, with Honey Salt and, you know, we joke because Honey Salt is, is less than a mile from our, our house. It's, you know, we really wanted to, you know, bring the food to the community that we enjoyed. And, you know, our, you know, one of our marketing taglines was, you know, this is, you know, how we entertain in, in our, in our home. And so the interior design I did, um, you know, with, going to stores and, and, and relying on some of my incredible design friends to, um, to, to help me. But, you know, it was really kind of a neighborhood feel, um, but with everything made homemade from, from scratch, but, you know, not really trying to, uh, you know, push the envelope in, in any kind of way. And so I think that, um, you know, that was why it was, was well received. Also using the freshest ingredients, trying to, to partner with farms, trying to use, um, responsible and sustainable fish and, and, and meats. And so I think that really, you know, resonated, um, with the community. And then, you know, there's always a little bit of luck and magic that, um, that goes along with it. But the idea of using these higher quality ingredients, knowing where they come from, the, f- the farm to table aesthetic, uh, that comes with a, usually a higher price point. And what you find when you're competing with the chains that had dominated this area is that a lot of people, whether they have money or not, because this is certainly a, a neighborhood where some people have money, but a lot of people need to be educated before they realize what they're paying for, right? That it, that, having a good chicken costs a little more than having a, you know, factory grade chicken. Was there any resistance to the fact that you were bringing in these better products, but there was a higher price point? Or were you able to educate your customer base as you did this as to why, you know, it costs more for a Mary's chicken than it costs for a KFC chicken? Well, you know, not that we um, we live and die by by social media. But, you know, when you um, look at what the biggest pushback in um, and scores from people definitely is, is the price point. Um, you know, there are definitely a lot of chains where you can get a big portion, you know, for, for less money and you have no idea where the provenance of those eggs or those chickens come from. And so, uh, I, I think that that's something that we, um, we still struggle with, but again, I think that, um, as a, country, not just um, 
in in Summerlin, but you know, in uh, across the nation, that people really are paying more attention. I mean, there's so many um, health issues that that people are are facing, and so I think that you know, not only you know, are there Whole Foods and Sprouts and and you know, in many stores where you can buy things, but you can go into Target or you know, or, or Albertsons, and you know, and and there are many offerings of of you know, of more whole foods and organic ingredients, uh, which was something, you know, that you never could find beyond, you know, chips and, <laughs> and soda in the, in the past. And so I, I think there is more education on the consumer point that, um, you know, if you want quality ingredients, if you want things that are, you know, not coming from frozen boxes that, uh, you know, if you want talented chefs, um, cooking things that you're going to have to pay a little more, but I think we've always been sensitive, um, that, uh, you know, we are not charging anywhere near, you know, what you would find in uh, maybe in a casino property or, you know, or on the strip. So it's trying to balance that happy medium and, and still, you know, being approachable. The fact you just mentioned, the fact that this restaurant is so close to your home and it has such a homey feel and it feels as if you're going into an extension of your house. And yet you've been able to export this concept internationally, right? So does, did that surprise you that something that was so rooted in the neighborhood and the, the home that you've built in this neighborhood translates even into other countries? Well, the funny thing is, is that um, we get a lot of uh, people out of town. We are so fortunate in the press and national press that we've gotten that we often get people that that come off the, the strip. And so for years, we've heard, this feels like, you know, it could be in my home. Where do you live? Santa Monica. I mean, we've even gotten, you know, this feels like it could be Tel Aviv. This feels like it could be the Hamptons. And so um, we already knew from our, you know, from our guest feedback that um, that people felt that this level of comfort that we did in, in the design um, could translate anywhere. And so um, we did work in uh, Vancouver because it's the three meal restaurant in the bottom of a spectacular JW Marriott hotel with the designer Alessandro Munje out of um, Toronto. But he managed to carry through, you know, many of the same themes, the the brick wall, um, you know, the the mismatched furniture, the, um, the, the green color palette. So while it definitely has a more um, refined and fancy feel to it, um, it still has all those elements. So um, when you visit, you don't, you know, think like, oh, this has nothing to do with, with honey salt. It, it still feels, you know, like a fancier cousin. <laughs> So let's talk about the 10-year anniversary celebration. You have a lot of things going on. I know you have two sets of throwback menus that you're rolling out with, um, with early dishes and then a big party. So let's start by talking about the big party. Um, how do you celebrate 10 years in Las Vegas as a restaurant? So we wanted to do something different, and we wanted to... Um include um, as many people as, as possible. And so, you know, we took our inspiration from our farm table dinners where we, you know, get to gather a lot of people. And last month is our annual Cape Cod farm table dinner. And that's the one that always sells out. So um, that was a lot of fun. And so we're going to close down the entire restaurant and it's going to be stationed. So there's going to be a DJ. So there's music. It'll be inside and outside. There's going to be pass bites. We're going to have a farm stand. We're going to do a charcuterie and cheese station, um, a chef's carving station. Of course, no party would be complete without a paella station. You know, that's one of Kim's favorite things and, and probably Todd and Sven as well. 
um, a harvest dessert bar. Um, and so, uh, you know, it, 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 it'll be, um, a lot of fun and, and, you know, we're hoping to, um, you know, have a lot of people just gathering. I mean, it's a real milestone for a restaurant to, to reach 10 years. And as I said, it feels like a, a blink since we, um, you know, were, uh, under construction and, and opening and uh, it's just it's formed some incredible relationships in in the community we have such an incredible you know team working with us and um, you know we've also been able to forge beyond three square our delivering with dignity program and to be able to support so many um, philanthropic endeavors whether it's a you know a gift certificate or or Kim you know cooking a you know a dinner in somebody's home um, we've really been able to um, to reach out in in the community and so um, we are looking for a really fun night to to celebrate Cool. And what date is that and how much are the tickets? Um, that is uh, Tuesday, October 25th. It'll be from 6 to 9, and the tickets are uh, $95. Okay. For those who may not be able to make it to the party or actually want to just celebrate all month long with you, tell me a bit about these throwback menus that you're doing. Well, you know, when you go through the Honey Salt Cookbook, um, you know, you realize that many of the dishes that, that made the cookbook are, you know, are no longer on the menu. And so we went back into the archives of, of recipes and, you know, really brought back some favorites. So one of my personal favorites was the Tuscan bean soup. And that was on the menu for, for years. And it's just, you know, a delicious, rich tomato based, um, but rich with, with beans and vegetables. And so that will be back. Uh, we did a market chop salad. Kim also did this chop salad at, at society and and uh, it was just such a delicious, well-balanced um, salad. Uh, the turkey bolognese. So now we have the turkey meatballs. But before the turkey meatballs was a turkey bolognese that was amazing. And also there were brunch dishes like the corned beef hash and the um, the filet and egg slider. And the filet and egg slider was actually featured on that Food TV Network show, um, The Best Thing I Ever Ate. So um, so that... You no, know, I'm sorry, I got to interrupt you. This is not the same filet and egg slider that I used to love at Society oh. with the spinach and the... Is, is this that? Oh, man, because that was one of my favorite breakfast dishes ever. Yeah, and it was also at Andiron. So, um, yeah, so so that will be... We'll be making its um, debut. And then, you know... Um, Things like uh, Nana's chicken curry, which is, you know, one of my my mother-in-law's recipes. And so, you know, we just thought that would be, you know, a fun way. Um, Of course, my wife's favorite salad, that was my spinach salad with the duck confit and the pomegranate. Um, So, you know, a lot of those, you know, kind of fun favorites will will be back. But we'd also love to hear from our our guests who have been supporting us for 10 years. They may have some other suggestions, too. So, uh, So we're open. We have a whole month to celebrate. Cool. So you're rolling them out sort of in phases, so people should just wander in throughout the month and ask for what's on the throwback menu, right? Yep. Um, there's a throwback menu, and they also um, appear on social media and on the Honey Salt Instagram as, as well. Cool. Well, congratulations. Ten years. Amazing. I've had a lot of amazing meals in that restaurant. I hope to continue to have a lot more, um, but congratulations. Oh, thank you. You have been uh, a definite supporter from, from day one, um, and so it's going to be fun over the month um, to see, and I hope we'll see you for the anniversary party. Another friend of this podcast, vegansbaby.com founder Diana Edelman, 
was back in Las Vegas this week, and Al sat down with her in a plant-based sushi spot called Daikon Vegan Sushi. How are you, Diana? It's been too long. It has been way too long. I'm, I'm doing well, and you? I'm doing well. I think we're both pretty busy, but I think we're both loving what we're doing these days, and it's great to have you back in Las Vegas. It is great to be back. So, you know, I was just saying, when you call me and say, we got to go out to lunch, and it's a vegan place you've never been to, there aren't a lot of people that can get me with that line, right? There's, there's a lot of restaurants I have to go to, and, you know, most of the ones at the top of my list aren't 100% plant-based. But when you tell me that I need to try a 100% plant-based restaurant, I know it is the place I have to go. So, we just finished a great meal. Tell people where we are. I know this isn't brand new, but it's new to me. We are at Daikon Vegan Sushi up in, um, I guess, just outside of Summerlin on Westlake Mead, having some vegan sushi and, uh, yeah, catching up. Yeah, catching up and trying new sushi and trying new vegan food, and I'm having a good time. So thank you very much for bringing me here. It was quite the feast and quite delicious. Always, always, always. (laughs) So, men, you've been up to a lot. You have been touring Africa with Vegans Baby. You've expanded into Vegans Baby New York. You're living in New York much of the year, if not most of the year, but a large portion of it. So explain to me where you've been since last you were here on this podcast. Oh, gosh. I've been a lot of places, I think. Um, I have been, I took a trip to South Africa. I partnered with Alluring Africa and took a vegan tour group with me to go eat a lot of food in South Africa, specifically Cape Town. And then we went on a safari that was fully vegan and super ethical, conservation focused. Um, I have been in New York in between Vegas. So Vegas always sandwiches everything, but so yeah, I've just been kind of exploring different opportunities for vegan food tours and eating my way around Las Vegas and uh, New York City. I think the idea of doing a vegan tour of Africa, that of South Africa, that's um, specifically tied to doing the, um, the, what, the safari. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm singeing on words. We were just talking about how we're losing our minds these days. Um, but that's specifically linked to a safari is a great idea because you're out there, you're looking at wildlife, you're, you're really appreciating the beauty of nature. And even somebody like me who is an avowed carnivore, I'd feel a little shitty going back and eating an animal after seeing all these beautiful animals. So I, I think you really keep with the spirit of why people go on safaris. Um, Did that bring a lot to the experience? I think so. We did five days in Cape Town and then three nights on safari. And I think um, not everyone on that trip was vegan. And so I think being able to go and see these animals and understand that like how interconnected everything is from like the soil to the birds um, and how it's just this massive ecosystem and how such little things can interrupt everything and then go back to the lodge and have vegan food. And mind you, this isn't a vegan lodge, but everything obviously on the trip was vegan. But I think it really helped kind of open people's eyes a bit and understand like the bigger picture of why people go vegan and the environmental issues and sustainability and things like that, especially as it relates to climate change. Um, so it definitely helped open people's eyes a bit more, I think, to, to, to understanding more about why people go vegan. Now, this may be a little in the weeds and people who don't know you as well as I do may think this is a crazy question, but do you see elephants in Africa while you were on safari? And were they different from the elephants that you got to know and love when you were helping elephants in um, Thailand? Yeah, so actually in October, October 2021, 20, um, I went with Alluring Africa to go scout the trip and, and like find everything, all the different restaurants and things, and curate it. And we saw so many elephants last October, uh, like a huge family herd, tons tons of elephants. This, this trip, we went a whole day like going to the far edges of this game reserve looking for elephants and we saw 
one and that was it but spent there was like a family herd they had no idea where the, this herd went they thought maybe it was down in the valley we traversed miles and miles and miles and miles and saw just one elephant the whole trip but yes they are different than asian elephants they're uh, they have different heads um asian elephants have like um I'm, have like one finger or two anyway one trunk has one finger one trunk has two um their heads are shaped different their ears are shaped different and it apparently like just when watching them their behaviors and mannerisms like the elephants in asia like have conversations differently than the elephants in africa at least from what i saw well you spent a lot of time yeah. around elephants in your life for people who don't know talk a bit about because your entire journey into veganism began with you helping elephants right yeah, it started, um, I moved to Chiang Mai, Thailand in uh, summer 2012 to do PR and social media for an elephant rescue organization. And while I was there, we went on elephant rescues, and I was just exposed to a lot um, about in regards to animal cruelty, um, what we consume. And I stopped eating meat probably the first week I was there. And I never touched meat again. And then as I was kind of going through and learning more and more and more, I became more aware of like the disconnect I had, like the cognitive dissonance as I would like eat an egg and not think about actually what was like, what brought this egg to my table. Um, And so when I moved back to the States, I decided to go vegan, but the catalyst was certainly living and working in Thailand and working with elephants and just seeing just the way, the way people treated animals there. And it's the way people treat animals everywhere, but just like the, the attitude among tourists who didn't care as long as they were enjoying their experience. It didn't matter what happened to the animals. And so that really bothered me. And I just decided that if I could make a difference, I, I would. So I think it's awesome that you are now bringing tourists out to see animals in, a, in their natural environment in a way that, where that they're not being exploited by people and they're not being harmed by the tourism. Uh, will you be doing any more tours of either Africa or any place else really cool? Yes. Um, we're, I'm working with Alluring Africa right now to figure out our tour schedule for 2023. Uh, we're looking at Morocco, another trip to South Africa, and then Botswana. So, yes. And then I'm in talks with uh, Career right now. I'm not sure what that looks like. Um, And I'm always looking for more tour operators to partner with and more experiences to just show people that um, you can be vegan anywhere in the world and that being vegan shouldn't hold you back from traveling and experiencing things and, like, not to use that as a reason to not go vegan. (laughs) No, I just like meat. But um, that's my reason. Sorry. Uh, But... uh, With that said, um, you know, you have turned me on to some of my absolute favorite vegan restaurants. Um, We were just talking. um, Sushi joined a Chikyu Sushi in Silverado Ranch. You told me about forever. If you finally took me there, I fell in love with it. Um, Chef Pete over at um, Truth and Tonic. Truth and Tonic, yes, in the the Venetian and Canyon Ranch Spa. You took me over there. I fell in love with it. Now we're here today at a great restaurant. How are you feeling about new restaurants, new vegan restaurants, or the new vegan options within non-vegan restaurants in Las Vegas. Are we, I know we've spoken many times in the past about how we've come a long way in the five years since you started writing about it, but maybe let's say the past nine months since you and I maybe last spoke or last had a meal together, are things getting a lot better? You know, that's a, that's a hard question to answer because yes, they are, but at the same time, we've lost quite a few vegan restaurants this past year in Las Vegas. Violet's Vegan closed, uh, Pots sadly closed, a couple pop-ups have closed, ghost kitchens have closed. But at the same time, I've seen um, new vegan menus come out. I know Picasso just launched a vegan menu a couple months ago. I was just there last night and tried that. Um, the Strip is really working, I think, to kind of catch up with the rest of the city. And Crossroads is a great example. Now that Crossroads has opened, I think it really is like an eye-opener because this restaurant has been successful and I think it will continue to be successful 
successful, and it's a big draw, both for locals and visitors that are coming because Crossroads is so well known. Um, but I think in general, the direction is just constantly going up. There really isn't. There, I think that as we move forward, the demand for vegan food is going to continue to grow. It's not going to decrease. So um, I, I'm happy with what I've seen here other than the restaurants closing, which just breaks my heart. But I also know it's tough times and we're still in a pandemic-ish thing. And, you know, staffing's an issue, inflation's an issue, and just some restaurants just can't, can't stay and fight that battle anymore. So, okay, you mentioned Crossroads. Crossroads Kitchen, of course, she's talking about in um, Resorts World. 100% plant-based, even though you'll never see a word about that on the advertising or the menu. And that's from celebrity chef Tal Ronan. So, you're liking that place? Yeah, I love it. I think it's a fantastic option for people, especially, like, if you're not vegan, to go there. And, you know, it's typically when you go out to eat, the vegan is the one who dictates where you're going to go eat. But I think as someone who's vegan, like, if I was with a bunch of people that aren't vegan and we wanted to go somewhere on the Strip... That is a fantastic place to take people to because you're going to love it. Now, I think you're going um, maybe even tonight to Gray's Kitchen, yes. which uh, tell them that I swear I'm going to get in there. I just uh, keep missing it. Uh, so tell me, what am I missing so far? Because I do want to get in there. And, you know, they're, they're very kind. They've been friends of the show and come on. Um, so tell me, what's, what's the scene like at Gray's Kitchen? And this is, of course, for people who don't know, this is over by Graffiti Bow and Fuku Burger and Firefly over on uh, Buffalo near the 215. So Gray's Kitchen, it's it's another restaurant that is fully like veggie forward, plant based. So you're not going to find any mock meats or mock cheeses here. Everything is pretty much house made. Um, they're just doing really cool things. They're using soy curls, which I really don't see in any restaurants. And they've got this Korean barbecue nacho, and the soy curls are so tender and seasoned just so perfectly that um, I think it's a really great place also to take people that aren't vegan. Um, Amelia is making a deviled hummus that, so I've known Amelia a really, really long time and I used to go to her Christmas parties and she would make the most elaborate, gorgeous like charcuterie boards that were all vegan, a deviled hummus egg. And so like the food there is just, I, I absolutely just, I love it. It's so flavorful. It's so textured. Like it's just, you, you will enjoy what you're eating when you go there. Like no matter what it is, there's just not a bad dish on that menu. Now you are always my go-to for questions about veganism. This is probably one I shouldn't ask on the air, but uh, because I don't know what the answer is and it may not be a pleasant one. No, no, not at all. No. Um, but what's going on or what happened with Paradise City Creamery? I heard that they had been sold. Are they staying as a vegan? Do you, do you have any idea? You can say no, you don't know. I don't know. Okay. I thought maybe you'd know. I thought you maybe you'd have the intel. I could cut that out well, too. I know they did the secret, the secret creamery pop up at Life is Beautiful, um, but I think I, I, other than that, I don't know what their plans are for the future. Okay, I got to call somebody over there. I figured you'd be my cheat sheet today, so sorry. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> uh, what else is new and exciting that's opened since last we've spoken? Oh my gosh, I've got to like roll through my brain here. Um, well, Picasso did their has their vegan menu now. Crossroads opened. Um, Gosh. That's okay. No, just figured. Talked like when's the last time I was January last. Year? I think we were in pots last time we oh, talked, gosh, which is okay. sad. Yeah. Um. Oh man, I had to. My brain's just not. All good. All good. Um. So, vegansbaby.com still going. Yeah. Still the go-to source of plant-based food here in Las Vegas. Uh, tell people a bit about what they can find there. Yeah. 
So Vegans Baby focuses on promoting vegan dining. So if you go to Vegans Baby and go to the Las Vegas section of it, you'll find restaurants that have three or more specific vegan options. They can't like have modifications to make it vegan. It's specific vegan options on their menu. And then vegan restaurants and then different guides like vegan-friendly hotels on the strip, like date night, best breakfast, best brunch, etc., etc., etc. Okay, and you are also my go-to source because you're the organizer for Vegan Dining Month, which is every January here in Las Vegas. So we are now in October. I'm guessing you're starting to think about it? Oh, I've already got like 20 restaurants signed up. I'm on it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Well, what could you tell me? Okay, so we've got Tiabi Tacotarian, Firefly Tacos and Beer, Gray's Kitchen, um, Daikon, where we're at today, is doing it, uh, Barry's Downtown Prime, Border Grill, um, Black and Blue Diner. Uh, and then my brain goes blank. But I know we have a couple more. <laughs> you know, uh, let's talk about Barry's Downtown Prime. Yeah. Because I know you like that restaurant. And um, I, you know, I subscribe to all the food groups here. And so, every once in a while I get a notice. Somebody posted new in the vegan dining group. And I'm like, let's go see what they're talking about. Yeah. And there seems to be a lot of debate over there. Like, they all seem to love Barry's Downtown yeah. Prime. But then they get mad that it's so pricey. Yeah. Right? Like, that, that, that is the gist of it, right? I'm like, well, it's <laughs> fucking one of the best steakhouses in Las Vegas. What do you want? But is it like a meatloaf over there? Is yeah. that the dish that every Everybody goes so crazy for yeah it's it's uh so chef barry has made this meatloaf and he shaves truffles on it and it's just it's so good so earthy so meaty the flavors are just just melts in your mouth i i have so like i haven't had in a while and i miss it like it's it's fantastic you know, Sue, my wife, always loves to go out to a steakhouse on her birthday or special occasions. I'm not a big steak eater. I think it would be really fucking hysterical if next time I booked us at Barry's Downtown Prime and then I went in and ordered the vegan meatloaf. I would actually love to see you do that and let me know what you think of it. Also at Barry's, they've, they're desserts. So they're making a vegan cheesecake and a vegan chocolate cake and they are decadent. Absolutely, like probably two of the best cakes I've had in town. Uh, perhaps, and then it won't, I won't feel so bad when I drink the sherry through the bone marrow bone, right? I mean, so I don't know about that one. That makes me sad. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll skip it just for you. Add a tribute to you. I would love that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Well, um, you know, you are also, for anybody who doesn't know this, when I was putting together the Neon Feast app, and I wanted to make sure we included plant-based diners and vegan-friendly places and places that are 100% vegan, you agreed to curate both of those lists for me. So thank you very much for that. We're getting ready to start redoing this, which means I'm going to have to send you the those lists again and have you redo them for me. Are you are you willing to continue our association with Vegans Baby and Neon Feast? I'm so excited and I cannot wait to update it. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, we're going to leave it at that. Thanks so much. Everybody, go to vegansbaby.com. I, again, there's nobody that I trust more for advice on plant-based dining than Diana. I'll grant you that I don't have a lot of friends who are experts in the field, but I know a few and um, you're the one that I call every time. So sorry that I'm always bothering you when I need that advice, but thank you so much for always being so accessible. My pleasure. And the news is next. This is Food and Loathing. So that clicking sound means it is time for the news. We're going to start it off with 138 Degrees. Um, You remember we spoke with Chef Matt Meyer from 138 Degrees on this podcast just a few weeks ago. Well, they are soft opening this Saturday. It is, to refresh your memory, a craft chop house. It is located on Horizon Ridge Parkway at Stephanie. Uh, Chef Matt is really committed to sourcing and aging the meats. Um, He has a lot of exclusive distribution deals uh, from ranches that you're not going to get anywhere else around here. Um, they op- they soft open Saturday night, so if you're going in early, cut them a 
little bit of slack. Soft <laughs> opening means you don't really get to bitch Take about it things easy. if there's a few few hiccups. Also in Henderson this weekend, a new pop-up called Fall at the Terrace is opening this weekend on the patio of the Green Valley Ranch Hotel lobby. It's just off the pool. Kind of cool vibe back there. Most of us don't get to see that hotel at Green Valley Ranch very often. It is really beautiful. Um, I spoke to the resort's head butler, Chris Mays, and he told me a bit about what they're doing. Fall at the Terrace, much like all of our other seasonal pop-up lounges, is intended to be this transportive experience for our guest. You take a look at our lounge, and what it does is transport you into a fall season where you typically wouldn't find here in Las Vegas. You'll find a traditional bright colors, you'll find seasonal libations, you'll find craft cocktails, and of course seasonal light bites as well. In addition to that, um, you know, on certain days throughout the extent of this um, pop-up lounge that we have here, you even have live entertainment. When is it open and to whom is it open? So the lounge is open from 5 p.m. till 12 a.m. every Friday and Saturday. The lounge itself, of course, is 21 plus, being that, you know, they do serve alcohol here. It is open to the public. However, we do suggest you make a reservation in advance just so, you know, you have that type of security. And our friend Sam Marvin is starting to staff up for his new location of Echo and Rig. And he spoke with me about his big plans for the new place, which will likely carry over into the existing location. We're getting close to open. We're doing a job fair on the 18th and 19th. We've already hired 95% of our management, so they've been training here at the old Echo and Rig for the last four weeks. So when we open up there, we're going to open ready to rock and roll. So we're not waking a month till we get things right and all that type of stuff. Um, we're doing a lot of private parties in December right now that we're booking over there. Uh, almost sold out already, which is fantastic. The team here, the community has been great for us. And I'll tell you, I mean, we're going to do things differently, Al. So when we opened up 10 years ago here, we were, uh, you know, we were doing things that nobody was doing. And I say that very humbly, by the way, right? What I mean by that is when we opened our steakhouse, you could not find a bavet on any other steakhouse menu in the city of Las Vegas. You couldn't find a ribeye cap at the time. You couldn't find a tomahawk. You couldn't find a lot of cuts that we were doing. You still can't find a Spencer, right? So we brought a lot of those cuts. Now you see a lot of them everywhere, right? So um, people ask me, what's going to be different? Well, the whole philosophy is going to be different in our new steakhouse, right? Um, One thing I'll give you right up front is our whole beverage program is going to be completely different. Um, You know... We do very well. We're excited about it. But our bar has never played a tremendous, uh, been a focal point of our business. As a local uh, restaurant, you know, um, at the time when we first opened, it was more about catering the needs of the locals, and their needs were not the craft cocktails at that time. And now it's changed. So I brought on um, the best of the best. I brought Tag, Tony Abugaman, has joined my team, and he is designing the entire cocktail program for our new Echo and Rig in Henderson and for our redo here. Uh, So I'm excited about that. He is just uh, the salt of the earth for me. Um, And then I also brought on, about two months ago, I brought on Tobin Ellis, and Tobin Ellis is designing our entire bar. So we are using um, all of his Tobin Ellis uh, uh, proprietary um, uh, uh, equipment. And then he's taking the bar from the floor all the way to the ceiling. So every aspect of that bar that goes on, where the bottles are, how they're treated, where you touch, what the setup looks like, they've been involved from day one, and now we're getting close. So really we're going to bring, and then when we do this new food program wrapped around our bar only, you know, we're really going to try and elevate it. So now people can talk about the bar program we have, 
you know, where are some of the top programs in the city where Echo and Rig would never have been in that conversation, which is fine. That's not what we did. Now, potentially, we will be in that conversation by bringing on these guys, right? So our food, Tony, Tobin, I couldn't think of a better team to really put us on the map. So cocktails and our bar program will definitely be uh, changing our philosophy a little bit as well. I'm a huge fan of Tony Abuganum. I mean, he's just such a big heart. And, I mean, he's from Vegas. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Steve Wynn hired him, I believe, to run their beverage program. And, and he's Blagia, gonna, yeah. Yeah, and he's, and he's just become uh, iconic here. And he does charities. He raises money for uh, breast cancer. And um, yeah. he's super talented. And I'm excited to try the, the cocktail program that Sam talked about. Yeah, it should be really great. Um, you know, Tony actually invented the cable car when he was in San Francisco. Like, that was his invention, that that cocktail. Wow, and, yeah. You know, he headed up the Bellagio cocktail program. He's fantastic. As I had said, some of those cocktails certainly are going to carry over into the other locations. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be an upgrade if you don't want to go all the way over to Henderson. Um, some more that Sam told me is... As far as the beef is concerned, and we're going to have more of this interview later when it's closer to opening, but he said, in addition to having a lot of different beef producers and different types of beef, mm-hmm. that there will be multiple cuts for each producer. Because it gets a little weird when you're sort of like, oh, I love grass-fed, but you only have it in that cut, right? So yeah. this way you can choose your cut and choose your, your style of beef. Sam's way ahead of the curve, you know. He's, he's brilliant. I think he's, I think he's a savant when it comes to what he does. Yeah, I think he's fantastic, mm-hmm. and we will have more of that interview when we get closer to that opening date after Thanksgiving. A couple of bits of pizza news for everybody. The Vegas Pizza Expo will take place on Saturday, November 12th at the Industrial Invent- Event Space on Industrial Road. Um, I'm bringing this up because all of the low-priced you know, early bird tickets are pretty much sold out, and yeah. they're now, they have the full price um, GA and VIPs available. 22 different pizza makers at this event, by the way. Uh, 75 and $125 are the price there it's a lot of dope oh for the dope i mean well we and there's a new pizza tour being offered by finger licking foodies which is the sister company of lip smacking foodies tour company um the first one will be held on sunday november 6th and we'll visit metro pizza evil pie and pizza rock offering two different pizzas and a craft beer at each stop as well as a sauce taste test and the chance to form your own pizza from a ball of dough I should also mention coming up this weekend, we have a few more Oktoberfest festivities, including the ones up on the mountain at Mount Charleston. I love They are yeah. not sold out. Two sessions per day, Saturday and Sunday. If you haven't been up to Pine Dining yet, I highly recommend it. And I haven't been up in the fall. So even though I have a hundred other things to do this weekend, I'm really going to try to They already have snow, one. right? They, they already have the first, the first. Did they? Yeah, that snowfall a few days back. Yeah, yeah. A little dusting. Blows my mind. Well, it's 30 <laughs> degrees difference from here. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. Cool. Well, that is about it for this week. Thank you to everybody who spoke with us. And honestly, there's just too many names to mention. So thank you, 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 thank you. Tell a friend about Food and Loathing, which is available everywhere that you listen to podcasts. You only need one of them. You don't need them all. But but you find the one you like if you haven't found it. Of course, if you have found it, you're listening now. So what am I saying? What I'm saying but when is, you're telling your friends. That's it. Spread the word. You can tell them it's on all word. of them. It's on all. And even though you only need one. <laughs> Find one, like it, and if you got a question like, what the hell have I just been saying, info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, also download the Neon Feast app. Use it to find your next dining destination, whatever you want, whatever you need. And if you're more about the laptop than the phone, neonfeast.com. 
And, you know, I'm not just a pretty voice. I'm also an ugly face, as I like to say. <laughs> and you can see it every other Wednesday on the CW Las Vegas at approximately 8.15 a.m. where my friends at the CW are always gambling to see what color, betting amongst themselves to see what color my hair is going to be when I show up every other week. I'm also on KTMV's Morning Blend about once a month, so keep your eyes peeled on that one. You can catch me all week long on the Neon Feast update on the Vibe 99.7 here in Las Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, and 98.9 at the river. Also, every Thursday morning at around 810 on the club at AM 670 KMZQ. Now you know why I need a vacation. Uh, <sighs> exhausting uh, just listening, yes. With Rick Moonen and producer Rich Johnson, I'm Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.